This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hello, it's David here. The Leader Podcast brings you news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. If you're a new listener, thanks for giving us a shot. And if you like it, hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider. We'd love to see a review too. Tell us what you think of the show. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Is this the start of a summer of unrest? Illegal street parties are exploding in London with hundreds taking part and more than 140 police officers injured trying to deal with them. We speak to the Evening Standard's John Dunn and... I think this has become the kind of lightning conductor for the simmering factional war that just was desperate to explode again. Aisha Hazarika, civil war erupts inside Labour again following the sacking of Rebecca Long-Bailey. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, disruption and injury. The effects of huge illegal parties taking place on London streets. They were cleaning up the smashed bottles in Notting Hill following an illegal street party involving hundreds of people the night before. It's not a one-off. <laughs> Police were attacked trying to break this scene up in Streatham. In fact, over the last three weeks, the Met says more than 140 officers have been injured while trying to send crowds like this home. The Evening Standard's John Dunn has been speaking to some of the people in the neighbourhoods affected. And John, what have they been telling you? I think neighbourhoods um, around London have been very concerned about the um, street parties. You could call them impromptu, but they seem a bit more organised than that. The one in Notting Hill last night actually had um, a, a DJ and they were selling pints of beer from barrels that some young entrepreneur had brought in. And I think people fear that the, the, poli- the police are, are losing control of the situation. The police are in a very, very difficult position because they don't want to stop people having fun, but at the same time, they have to protect the community. They have to protect families and people who, for example, are shielding in their homes. And then they look out their window and they're, they're, the, the streets are mobbed and they can't even get to their local shop. Yeah, this is taking place at a time when lockdown is still in force. And some of these things have hundreds of people at them. Well, well that's right. It, it smacks almost of the illegal raves of the, uh, the 90s, etc. Um, when when people, people are organising these events and they seem to be identifying certain areas where the road's a bit wider 
um, and where young people can get to relatively easy. Um, and, and then they're all congregating. And the people running to hundreds that are going, they're turning up in taxis, they're turning up on scooters. They're coming from all over London to some of these events. And I think, I think the feeling is that the, the police need to get a grip whilst not being too heavy-handed. Yeah, it's clearly difficult for the police to entirely contain what's happening. I think that the Met says around 140 officers have been injured in the last few weeks trying to deal with these sorts of things. It's not a surprise then that the Met Commissioner is just basically telling everyone to, in her words, cool it. Exactly. The hot weather has obviously exacerbated this. I mean, if it was raining, I don't think we'd be having these problems. Um, and the Met Commissioner is trying to tread um, a very difficult line between public reassurance and, as I said before, not being too heavy handed. But I think the situation in Brixton a couple of nights ago, really, and the, the, the graphic images that came out of that, really were um, a call to arms for the police and, and, and they, they are having to intervene. In Notting Hill, the event last night, for example, residents told me that they've been having parties on that road for the last week. Um, and the police have been, I've seen images of the police just standing by and letting them go ahead with it. But following the Brixton incident, I think now uh, a line's been drawn in the sand and that the police will intervene. They want to say, if, if you're going to do this, if you're going to flout the regulations, we'll be there to protect communities. And we should remember that the people, uh, the police are actually coming to, coming to these events because locals are calling the police um, and, and the party goers often aren't from the area. So the police have a duty to respond to neighbourhood concerns. And there must be a concern that because people have been cooped up in their houses for so long, as you said, the weather has been great, that we're looking at a, a summer of disruption. Yes, that, that's right. People have been cooped up, particularly, I mean, if you look at the images um, from these parties, they're teenagers, people in their early to mid-twenties. They've been cooped up in their houses with their, with their parents, um, with, the, with their family or in some cases on their own and they really they're really letting off steam which is one thing and that's all well and good but the, the greater point the most important point is they, they can't be allowed to flout the regulations and possibly bring back a second wave of this terrible virus next defenders of rebecca long bailey are dying on a hill over this, including the former leader, Jeremy Corbyn, and his deputy, John McDonnell. Aisha Hazarika, what's really happening inside Labour following the sacking of Rebecca Long-Bailey? It's all kicking off inside Labour. After sacking Rebecca Long-Bailey, Sir Keir Starmer has faced down the party's left-wingers in a tense confrontation. He met with Diane Abbott and John McDonnell as a petition calling for Miss Long-Bailey to be reinstated sailed past its 10,000 signature target. The Labour leader showing no signs of backing down, though, and our editorial column says he shouldn't. Sir Keir Starmer has got the left on the run, this week firing the Shadow Education Secretary Rebecca Long-Bailey for retweeting a left-wing interview by an actress making the bizarre allegation that Israel was responsible for the death of George Floyd. Once that was the sort of behaviour which led to promotion in Jeremy Corbyn's party. Now it's a quick route to the exit. But... 
That's not the only thing that's changing inside the party. Sakir's shown he means it about cracking down on hate speech in the party, and he's given himself the chance to find a shadow education secretary who is actually good at the job. None of this means the party is suddenly headed for power. There are years to go until the next election. Polls still put the Conservatives ahead. If Sakir keeps up the pace, though, that's going to change. Ayesha Hazarika's with me now. Ayesha, is Labour at civil war with itself again? It does feel that way. I mean, Keir Starmer and his team and many other people, actually, you know, prominent figures in the Labour Party have called for an end to factionalism. I mean, I just feel that that is, is an, it's a noble ambition, but it's just completely um, unrealistic. The Labour Party, since its kind of genesis, has always been steeped in factionalism. What people often forget is... Back in you know the history of the Labour Party, the Labour Party split on these same grounds, the sort of hard left, the more pragmatic, progressive, moderates. Um, there's always been that split. But I think Keir Starmer had to do this. You know, one of the reasons he won, and one of the things he's done very well on is talking um a strong game on getting rid of anti-Semitism. This was a really big test for him. And had he just let it go. I think the Jewish community would have been like, well, here we go again. Somebody who talks a good game, but they actually won't take the action on it. So I think he absolutely had to do this. And it sounded like there was a bit of shenanigans behind the scenes in terms of they wanted her to just take down her tweet and sort of apologise. And then she sort of obviously didn't want to do that. And when we interviewed her, she had just been in another spot of trouble over anti-Semitism where she had hosted an event for her leadership contest campaign in Liverpool. A man had stood up, it was all recorded. He had made some really evidently anti-Semitic comments and she had just let them slide like she was kind of pandering to this guy she didn't call him out and joe and i asked her about this and you know she said oh actually yeah i I really made a mistake i should have um i just didn't realize at the time but i should have done and so there's that event there's this event she said she had always stood up um against the anti-semitism but when we quizzed her saying well what did you do how did you raise it with jeremy corbyn how many times did you raise it with jeremy corbyn she had no kind of detail to, to give us so the thing that i think is extraordinary is that you have a woman who's clearly intelligent she's pretty hard working she's not daft yet seems to have this blind spot on anti-semitism which does reveal i think something which is more troubling which is that this is obviously something which is kind of hardwired into that wing of the the party but i think it's sad i'm not one of these people who is like punching the air at the fact that Rebecca Long-Bailey's been sacked. I think she could have made a good contribution. But if we do take a step back, education has been a real weak spot for Keir Starmer in this whole coronavirus drama. And we've seen now twice at Prime Minister's Questions, Boris Johnson has really tried to turn the tables on Keir Starmer and, and prosecuted this argument that the Labour Party has not been um, you know, on the side of families and children. It's been more on the side of, of the unions. Now, whether that's fair or not, it's true to say that Rebecca Long-Bailey, we have not seen her every day out there punching at the government, 
you know, really trying to, you know, prosecute the case that Gavin Williamson as education secretary has not done a good job. Here's Labour's like five point plan for what it would do to get kids back to school. So I think in a way she's been underperforming in the brief. And then this horrendous, not just a gaffe, but this, you know, promotion of an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. I think Keir Starmer sort of thought he had no other option. Has she been underperforming or has she just not been being used so much? Were Labour slightly concerned that perhaps she could make a mistake? That's something that has definitely been raised by um, some of her supporters. Some of them were tweeting yesterday that actually the reason she's not been visible is the point you make. She was not allowed out onto the airways by the, the leader's office. But I think that's because they didn't, trust her. It didn't seem like she had a very strong argument. The key issue is what a tragedy for, you know, having had five years of this stain of anti-Semitism across the party, you know, really cost the party heavily at the last general election, did huge reputational damage to the the whole of the, the Labour Party. And here it is flared up again as well. And what's so ironic about the whole thing is that the, the woman, the actress Maxine Peake, she herself has now apologised and said, that was wrong, that was misinformation, I'm really sorry. Yet defenders of Rebecca Long Bailey are dying on a hill over this, including the former leader, Jeremy Corbyn, and his deputy, John McDonnell. And they are leading a delegation to go in and see Keir Starmer sort of as we speak. And I admire the chivalry from Jeremy Corbyn, you know, riding to the rescue of Rebecca Long-Bailey. Rebecca Long-Bailey was very, very uh, much a prodigy of John McDonnell. He very much wanted her to be leader of the party and succeed Jeremy Corbyn. So it's great that they're rushing to her aid. But where was that concern when Jewish female MPs like Luciana Berger and Louise Elman were being hounded out of the party when MPs like Ruth Smith, um, you know, were getting just horrendous non-stop death threats and Margaret Hodge um, as well. So I'm afraid, as you said at the beginning, I think this has become the kind of lightning conductor for the simmering factional war that just was desperate to explode again. You know, I'd love to be all kumbaya and be like, hey, guys, let's just like hug it out and we can all be like as one. But that's just not the Labour Party. I think what Keir Starmer has got to do is he's got to assert his authority, as he has done. He's got to send a clear message that I'm in charge of the party. These are my rules. This is going to be the culture that I want to see. I've got no truck with anti-Semitism and bullying and racism and all that type of thing. But the key thing, though, to keep a lid on all these civil wars is he's got to show the party he's doing well with the public. So if the polls continue to be good for him, if it looks like he's persuading Labour voters who turned their backs on the Labour Party and went Tory, if it looks like he's persuading them to look again at Labour, then that gives him strength within the party. So it's not going to be easy for him. I I feel, my prediction is he's going to be fighting two opponents. He's going to be fighting, in fact, he's going to be fighting three opponents. He's going to be fighting Boris Johnson in England, Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland, and Jeremy Corbyn, John McDonnell, and the socialist group within the Labour Party as well. So he's going to be fighting on, on all fronts. He's going to be a busy man. 
You can read more on these stories in the latest edition of the newspaper or at standard.co.uk. And that's The Leader. We're back on Monday with Bonnie Christian presenting. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.